Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Krabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident Krabby Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian, Miss Lindy Gifford. How are you? Hey, darn good. Darn good, honey. How are you? I'm good. And we have Rabbi Sobel with us as well. There he is. Hey, shalom, shalom. Excited to be here with you. Oh, you know, I'm so you thrilled. You know him by his hat. Never, yes. never seen without it. Never. Really? <laughs> no. You know, you, you can't really get any better than having a signature piece. Like I love people <laughs> that you're like, you come with the hat. There mm-hmm. you go. <laughs> so you actually have your second book coming out right around when this episode comes out, God of the Way. But this is your second one together. Your first, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. I actually was telling the rabbi before, I actually read it when it came out. And now I'm getting to interview both of you about your second book. Uh, we hope so- you enjoyed it. We hope it, it took you deeper into your faith and gave you, I mean, I hope, we hope it blew your mind because I know that learning rabbinically for me, that's exactly what happened. Yes. Uh, the more I learned, I, don't, I lost count of saying to my teachers, why hasn't anybody ever told me this before? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we teaching this in our Sunday schools to our kids? Why aren't we preaching it in the, in the churches? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we writing songs about it? it? And it's just, it's, it's not infuriating to me, but it's extraordinarily frustrating to me. You know, not everybody can write the kind of books that rabbi does on his own, like the mysteries of the Messiah or something that are very, very deep and very, very academic. But the stuff that we share in the books like rock road and rabbi, and now the God of the way is accessible to people. Exactly. And, and, and it's, 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 we don't dumb anything down by any means, but the information is delivered, I think, in a powerful way, but in a way that is understandable. We're not trying to show off. He's not trying to show how many degrees he's got in theology. It's, you know, like some books feel that way. Yes. We just want people to grow and feel like they're not alone in this world and not knowing this stuff. Somebody taught me, somebody taught rabbi. Yeah. Well, We're and just I think- passing it on. That is kind of the crux of a relationship with God is that it is accessible and it really doesn't have to be like theology is great, but that's not how everybody's brains work. And this stuff should be things that, like you said, that we're learning from Sunday school age that's just woven into our relationships with him. Yeah. I mean, literally what it means to be a disciple in Hebrew, a Talmud or a Talmud, the female literally means to be a learner. 
Yeah. Because you can't say you love someone if you don't want to learn about them. And the moment you stop learning about the person that you love, whether it be your spouse or it's the Lord, your relationship with that person begins to diminish. The spark begins to go out. And having that sense of maintaining that sense of wonder and infatuation and amazement is something that is so important. That's something that we're trying to do in the God of the way, like we did with the rock, the road and the rabbi. We want people to have those aha moments and see the scriptures in a high definition. Well, and I love that they're aha moments, but not, huh? What? Like, I'm not having to do mental gymnastics to catch up with you, even though you are incredibly wise and experienced, you're laying these things out for people going like, come and see how good he is. And like, what is available to you in these ways that is easily digestible. I want to backtrack a little bit for people who haven't gotten to read your first book together. How did the two of you meet and start working together? Everybody asks us that question. It's so interesting. We're, we're like the odd couple, I guess. But uh, a mutual friend of ours, Leslie Burbridge, uh, used to attend uh, the church that Rabbi was a pastor of in, in, out in Malibu, California. I'd taken her to, uh, on her first rabbinical trip to Israel. And so she knew my desire uh, to study the word this way and to share it with people. And she said, she said, oh, my gosh, you have got to meet Rabbi Sobel. Rabbi Jason. And I said, I can't, I don't have, I don't have time to get a pedicure. Are you kidding me? I cannot do I have no time. Yeah. And she said, Kathy, he's going to rock your world. I promise you. I promise you. I said, okay, put it together sometime. And what months went on. I don't remember. I it was, it was Christmas time in New York and which is my least favorite time in New York, because it's, it's all about commerce mm-hmm. and tinsel and, and, and not, nothing's about a baby in a manger. Uh, or about the true spirit of of the the birth of Christ. It's just mm-hmm. got to look far and wide to find that. So I always resented it. I just I said I don't want to talk about one more toy drive, one more you know uh, one more recipe to make on. I just couldn't function about with it. And uh, so I took Rabbi to to lunch one day when he came to the studio and we said hello. And then I we went to lunch and he listened to me moan and groan and 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 about Christmas like a, like the the Grinch. smile it at me you know and finally he goes well I I can give you a really good reason to be excited about December and uh, you remember what you said to me Rabbi yeah we we know biblically that Jesus wasn't born on Christmas day for a number of different reasons shepherds weren't out in the field in the middle of winter the rainy season rainy Mm -hmm. season I mean there's all sorts of historical reasons but there's ample biblical evidence which we won't get into that he was conceived on that date. Mm. And he was then born on the Feast of Tabernacles nine months later. Yeah. He, yeah when Jesus said, I am the I am the light of the world, the one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but so will have the light of life. Jesus was conceived on one of the major festivals of in the it's in probably Jesus. Hanukkah. The Hanukkah. festival festival of lights because he's so the light that light is of a the world. much better story, right, Rabbi, yeah. than the one Absolutely. we've been we've been t- peddling all these centuries. Right. Just it drives me ape. Just, just <laughs> not, I want to know what really happened. So for three mm-hmm. hours, Rabbi just starts telling me all about what it meant about the, the shepherds that were in the in the fields were not just regular shepherds. They were Levitical. They were from the, you know, all of that and what he was actually wrapped in. And he drew, as he does, everything together in a masterful way, which made me again excited mm-hmm. about the word of God because I had become one of those lukewarm Christians, not because I was seeking 
wasn't seeking. I was right because I wasn't finding, right. I would go to church and I would hear the same old stuff about Jesus when he was a carpenter. And I had already learned that no, he wasn't a carpenter. He was, he was a stone mason. Quit quit saying that. Yeah. Not true. It probably worked a little bit with wood you know, making small things, but, but the, the, everything was built with rocks then. Mm-hmm. You know, Israel is at its basis. It's all rock. Mm-hmm. It's a desert. Yeah. And I don't know why people are hesitant to want, it's almost like, don't mess with my manger. You know, don't mess with it. I like the tinsel. I like the corny songs about the fat guy with the beard. I like it. And then yeah. don't mess with it. <laughs> not messing with it. I just don't, wouldn't you rather know the truth? truth. Well, and it's so Americanized. Yeah. Unfortunately it's been, it's Americanized all over the world. Right. Exactly. uh, But the the real story of it had me in, I don't think it's very rare. I don't think I said a word for two hours. (laughs) I just listened to him and I went, what? Well, we tend to make Jesus in our own image and likeliness instead of really understanding who he is. So we kind of read our cultural right. uh, understanding and our like, you know, expectations, right? We don't think about stonemasons, right? In Europe, you had carpenters, right? right? So it, it it made sense for the interpreters and they translated to look that way. But I, I think that our desire is to help put it back into its original context, because that's what brings it to life. And there's so much richness and meaning by connecting the dots and understanding the the practical implications of the Hebrew and Greek. Like, so for example, in God of the Way, we talk about the story of Moses. And one of the beautiful things is that when God appears to Moses, he appears to Moses, we say in the burning bush, but in the Hebrew, it's it's more clear. He appears to Moses in a burning thorn bush. And the reason why he appears in the thorn bush is that the thorn bush is a symbolic symbol of exile, of suffering, of pain. So the Lord is saying to Moses, I feel the pain of my people and everything they've gone through, through, through these long years of exile and slavery. And, and I've been with them in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus is on the cross, he's the greater Moses. Mm-hmm. So what does he have on his head? A crown of thorns. Because in the same way God appeared in the burning bush, burning thorn bush saying, I feel your pain. God feels our pain in an even greater way in the person of Jesus. Amen. And he's with us and doesn't ask us to go through anything that he himself isn't willing to go through. And then he has that crown of thorns that connects to Moses, but it also connects to the fall because the curse of creation is the ground produced thorns and thistles. And mm-hmm. he's taking the curse on his head to break it and to restore God's blessing. So yeah, you got two hours of that. I mean, what do you, how do you imagine spending 10 days in right. Israel with him? And he'll take, before you, he'll tell you what every single number means. Right, right. And there's nothing random no. about the Bible. If you said, so it was six pots of water turned to wine. There's a reason for the six, five stones David picked up. You know, he only used one, but I mean, he, he, there are reasons for everything. And I love the perfection of God's word. Mm. And with these bad translations, it's not perfect anymore. It's right. sloppy. And God right. doesn't like sloppiness. God wants excellent effort. And everything in our book is based on the movie that I'm, that, that is, uh, that's going to come out on September 1st in fathom events called the way something I've been working on now for four years. It's a story of, it goes from creation all the way through the first covenant with the, with 
in, in the second covenant. I don't like to say testament. Mm -hmm. it's, these are covenants God yeah. makes with us and they're promises forever. And testament means testimony to me. And yes, it's the testimonies within each one, but God's covenant is basic to what happened with Abraham, basic to what happened when Jesus came. I don't know. I just love words are important. So yeah. anyway, and then it goes all the way through to the last story where Jesus said, get into the boat to his disciples and, and uh, meet me on the other side. What we don't know as Westerners is that, that Jesus, when he said, meet me at the other side, that's a place. That was a legit, that was a physical, everybody would know, uh-oh, mm -hmm. the place is a Decapolis. The place is where all the pagans fled when the, when the Hebrews came to take over the uh, Canaan, the promised land. They went there and they still were there and they still... They practiced their evil practices in their, their pagan ways. Unbelievable what happened over there. And, and, and these good Jews, these disciples said, wait a minute, Lord, we're, we've tried to be ritually pure our mm -hmm. whole life. We're going to lose covenant. We're, I mean, we're going to lose uh, community with everybody. We're gonna, and Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to go where people are lost and hurting and lonely and broken. That's what I do. And, and that's a, I wanted to end the movie on that as a call to the church today, which has become so complacent. We sit in our pews and we and there's nothing wrong with that. Church is, is serves a very important function in our lives. But church is what we're having right now. too. Amen. The early church never didn't have buildings they met in. They lived it. It was wherever they could and in homes. Mm -hmm. And I wish we could get back to the intimacy of church being like that. So we try to with our books bring the intimacy of the stories and the people's lives and the, the, the minutia, the details that don't bore you, yeah. but they fascinate you. At least yeah. I'm speaking yeah. for myself. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about the, the God of the other side as one of the sections in the book and part of the oratorios, one of the, one of the beautiful stories that we get into there is the story of the prodigal son, mm -hmm. because he goes away to a foreign land, right? And from a Jewish perspective, the other side would have been that land, right? Uh, they wouldn't have had pigs in Israel, but they had pigs on the other side. We know the Yeshua, Jesus just cast the demons and the pigs, for example, right? But in the beautiful story, one of these details in the prodigal son, how God is in this is that, you know, why does he have his epiphany, the prodigal, while he's in the pig pen? And the interesting thing is that the most unkosher animal is the pig. And the reason why it's the most unkosher animal is for an animal to be kosher, it needs to do two things. It needs to have cloven hooves, which is an external sign of being kosher, clean, and an internal sign, which is chewing its cud. Well, the pig has the external sign, but it doesn't have the internal. So it's the hypocrite. It's yeah. someone who looks good on the outside, okay, but it doesn't have it, but, it doesn't, but what they are on the inside doesn't match up. Mm. But what's so this guy is a hypocrite, right? He took his father's wealth, this great family squandered it. And now he's in the pig pen. And he comes to this revelation, partly because the word in Hebrew for pig is chazir. It's the same word in Hebrew to return to God, or to return. So the rabbis actually say that in the messianic kingdom, pigs are going to return and be kosher again. So if there's a promise for the pig, <laughs> right? So if there's the promise for the pig, if the most unclean animal, which is the picture of the hypocrite, in the kingdom of heaven is going to return and become clean and accepted, how much more so 
the prodigal when he has this realization and understanding. Amen. And we have an amazing cast playing that in the film. We have uh, the the probably the hottest guy in all of country music today, maybe in the whole entertainment world. He's on fire. A beautiful brother of ours named it, uh, Jimmy Allen. He plays the prodigal, and then BB Winans plays <sighs> the father, and he's so fantastic in it. And then um, our partner, the one, uh, there's a group called Lewis York, two guys that I just adored. They co-wrote The God of the Other Side with me. So one of them, Claude, plays uh, the, the son who stays behind the so-called good son. Right. And, and we think we know the story and we sort of basically do. But to see it, I place that in, in modern day times. Mm-hmm. I, other places like Abraham and Sarah, we see them centuries ago. Moses and, and Joshua too. I didn't put them in, in uh, modern day clothing or anything. Like that. Other places though, like the disciples and some of the women married uh, that were called mm-hmm. by Jesus and loved by Jesus. Just, it's, it's very unusual. It doesn't follow any particular rule, which, you know, I like, I break more rules. Than I was about I to say, that's kind of your gig. It's my gig. It's, it's my, yeah. So anyway, it, I said it right here in Nashville on a beautiful farm because we have prodigals in our lives right now, a prodigal husband, perhaps, or a wife or a child, or, you know, just as somebody in our, in our world that we love that is lost and has mm-hmm. gone away and thinks that the world can answer their questions and give them what they're longing for. And you watch them go off and you just know it's not going to end well. It can't. It can't. Anytime we seek something better than what God has promised us, it does not end well. You know, so we try to, I try to find in making these films a brand new way to take, to tell ancient stories yeah. and bring them to life. And then I take them, the product to, to Rabbi and he, in his inimitable ways says, oh yeah, you know why he's in a pigsty? You see what I mean? So in case you missed it, I wrote a book, <laughs> like a full blown cover to back book confessions of a crappy christian the book is real life talk about the things christians aren't sure they're supposed to say it's like the podcast and my instagram times a thousand inside i dive into things like mental health being a fiery woman from within the church friendship breakups and more from the perspective of my life and how god has moved so you can find out more and pre-order if you would like at crappy christian co slash book. Pre-orders matter a lot in the book world and we have some awesome incentives coming your way. So that would really mean the world. So if you're like me and you struggle with any combination of stress and anxiety or being on your phone too much, maybe even, I want to tell you about the Abide app. I love this app. Abide is the number one Christian meditation app in the app store and I've legit been using it for years now to help me fall asleep, to ease me into the day in the morning. I've even used it like mid panic attack. (laughs) So it's based on scripture and it's audio meditations that center you and help draw you closer to Christ. So for a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off of a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash Blake. So you can get started today with 25% off of a premium subscription by downloading the app at abide.co slash Blake. There you'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. And in the meantime, you'll be supporting the show and get 25% off 
when you go to abide.co slash Blake. That's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash Blake to download the Abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. Right. Well, and it's the culture that's missing too. Cultural relativity. Mm -hmm. And geopolitical. Yes. Really important too. Yes. Why did Pontius Pilate do what he, you know, because he, if he didn't, he was getting called back to Caesar and it was all over. Right, exactly. I want to know that stuff. Exactly. Well, it, it brings it into, like, it makes it almost more tangible, right? These stories yeah. become these Sunday school stories that were like the felt board in school, yeah. right? And that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching. It's fine if you're four. Exactly. If there's nothing wrong with teaching our kids that. Or, or even... Yes, when when I was a child, I thought like a child. I ate like a child. I, but but I've grown up now. Give us food to Amen. feast on. I don't want to eat baby food. Yeah, and I was dying. I was dying on the vine because I couldn't find food that nourished my soul. Yeah, so I started I, studying rabbinically. Yeah, and you're it not alone good. in it's that. The best place. Our books right. are good if you can't get there. Right, exactly. It's not <laughs> not quite accessible to all of us, but well, we we encourage everybody, and you can actually go on tours with Rabbi the Rock Road and Rabbi Tours. He's so 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 busy. But how many do you still do, Rabbi? A couple of couple of years? Uh, yeah, anywhere between two and four a year. Yeah, so every fall, every spring. But we love you know, and we love taking people, and like we talked about in the Rock Road Rabbi, we also talk about in here. Like one of the places we love to go is a uh, Capernaum. Uh, and we love to go to the place where uh, Peter's primacy, where Peter was reinstituted by Yeshua, Jesus. And we talk about this in the chapter of Joshua. They're fishing all night and they catch nothing. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting in that in Hebrew is the word for fish is dog. And it's also the root word for fear. Part of the reason why the, they caught nothing, Peter and the disciples, as they were fishing from a place of fear. And when we live from a place of fear and anxiety, our nets are always going to remain empty. And God doesn't want us to live from that place. And part of him, of him doing the miracle of the, of the catch of fish is he's saying to the disciples, listen, haven't I always provided for you? Don't worry about your future. Don't worry about the provision. I've got you. Don't live from that place of fear. Live from that place of faith. Mm-hmm. And all of us, I think, in a world today where there's so much fear, we have to move from fear to faith and from Amen. faith to trust, or our lives and our relationships will be left empty and broken. Amen. But Rabbi, there's more. There's <laughs> always more. <laughs> tell them, tell them about the significance of the how many fish. Yeah. So I mean. They catch 153 fish, and uh, obviously, 100. There's a reason if they catch 153 fish, there's a reason why there's 153 fish. And one one of the numerical values of 153 is Son of God, and so it's trying to show that Yeshua Jesus is the Son of God. That they need to place their faith in Him and live from that place of not fear but live from that place of trust. There's a lot more with 153, but we'll uh, just leave yeah. it. Yeah, read the Nothing books. Is random. I think our point is, if you've been reading your grandmother's Bible and nothing against grandma, God bless her, we're all here. 
you know, thank goodness for the faithful people in our lives and in our genealogy and all of that. My grandmother didn't come to know her, her savior, Jesus, until her deathbed. But um, I'm not putting down, I'm just saying you're doing things like the way everybody's always done it for centuries and centuries, and you're missing out. There's a reason for it. And God has, again, his word is perfect. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. Yes. The word of the Lord is flawless. It's a shelter and a refuge for all who seek him. Well, it's got to be flawless in what we read. We have to be careful. Rabbi, you love the tree of life scripture, right? Yeah. That's your favorite yeah. one. That's written by by rabbis, by uh, messianic rabbis. And I happen to like the new version of the, called the passion, which I think is very poetic, but it seems to me that gets the essence of things right. Mm -hmm. That's not quite finished yet. I don't think the old uh, covenant is in there yet, right? They've just done the Psalms and the, fair, and the parables and, and, the new and the new covenant. Just just stay away from the ones that are like, I hate that people get mad at me. They get so mad, but I, in my experience, the worst one that's ever been made ever been translated is the, is the King James. First mm -hmm. of all, nobody speaks like that. Jesus right. didn't say thou shalt not. He right. didn't talk like that. Right. And we shouldn't either. And we shouldn't sing songs to say thou, thou, thou. no, <laughs> maybe you love it, but it, it doesn't, it just perpetuates for me. Yeah. Something that's less than. Exactly. Yeah. It makes a already like complex because scripture is complex and it's incredible and it's alive and it's living. Don't make it more complicated for people. And boring. Yeah. And yeah. boring. Uh, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't dull it down. One of the things that I love about scripture is that it's it's shallow enough for anyone to wade in, but it's deep enough that you can never get to the depths of it. Amen. We're helping to take people, we want to take people deeper. But I yeah. think part of it too is that when you understand, like we talk a lot about these connections and these aha moments, but part of learning to see these connections is understanding God is in the business of not just connecting things in the scripture, but he connects the dots in our own life as well. And in the chapter on the mother of Jesus, Yeshua, Mary, you know, or her, actually her Hebrew name was Miriam. That's what her name was like the sister of Moses, right? So Mary would have been Miriam in the scriptures. And she's an embodiment of, of long suffering, mm -hmm. of Hebrew savlanut, of patience, which literally comes from the Hebrew word, which means to bear a burden, mm -hmm. uh, a porter, right? So she bore this burden of being a pregnant virgin and of how everyone was going to think about her and Joseph. And, you know, you can think about her raising him and the cross and not knowing what was going to happen to the promise made. You know, she embodied this sense of long suffering and faithfulness in the midst of it. But what's it's amazing to me just on how God connects in personal real life is I married a Miriam. <laughs> and Miriam was in her 40s, you know, when when we we got she got married late. And she one day she's like, Lord, am I ever going to get married? I've, should I just give up? And the Lord said to her, spoke to her directly one word, long suffering. Hmm. And it gave her this hope and encouragement that you know, God would at the right time provide, and she just remained faithful, right? So then we meet on a tour in Israel, we wind up getting married, she tells me the story about how God spoke to her, and how I'm the fulfillment, like of the guy she'd been waiting for long suffering. And you know what my name means in Hebrew? Long suffering. <laughs> it was literal. It, it was literal, right? But that's what God before. does. But that's what God does. He does, though. And if we're 
Love caught up in the Sunday school version of him. We miss that stuff. Miss everything. You miss it. And you miss the, the mystery and the like miraculousness of who he is. So I can't wait to get my hands on this book. It's so needed. And I'm so thankful that there are people behind it who have like, y'all are both so passionate about this. And it's so clear in the way that you talk about this, that, which makes sense, right? It's something that y'all are passionate about it because there's passion behind it. So because it's truth. And I think I, I, in all, every aspect of the, our world and our culture today, people talk about fake news, this or fat it's, it's manufactured. It's all this. It's everybody. How do you tell what's real anymore? How do you tell what is true? And the word says, test the spirit, you know, but he will reveal what is true. And, and if you go and study the word of God and its original source material with people that understand it and have studied it, I, I always go back to that. If you want to know the truth, seek it. Jesus yeah. said, seek it. And it will set you free. And so this film is, it'll be a fathom event on September 1st called The Way. If you know Jesus and you love Yeshua and you're following him, it will, I hopefully strengthen the faith you already have. If you, if you feel like you've grown weary of the journey and you're bored with it and you, you wonder why you don't feel passionate about God's word anymore and all that. Go just to be re-inspired mm-hmm. and take some friends, some people, everybody. We all have friends that are lost. Mm-hmm. We all have people that have walked away from the church or, or, or again, our prodigal friends and that sort of thing. Invite some people to that. Then go out for a coffee or a glass of wine or whatever you want to do afterwards and talk about things and then seek, seek, and you will find, ask, and it shall be given unto you. And then you'll pick up the, the companion book, the God of the way that, Jason did the heavy lifting. I did all the heavy lifting on the movie. Jason does all the heavy lifting, not all of it, but a lot of it, most of it on the book. And we're a good, we're a good couple of partnership that way, because that's his expertise. Mm -hmm. I know how to make movies and tell stories. He knows how to to take you deeper, deeper, deeper into the story than you ever could have imagined. Yeah. And you can, and if you go to the God of the way book.com, there's special pre-order information and stuff that you can get comes out August 30th, but, uh, and check it out on Amazon or wherever you like to buy your books. And also, sweetie, you, you and I have shot the first of 16. So how many have we shot already? 16? I don't even know. Uh, 12. Uh, oh, 12. There'll be ultimately 24 curriculum videos. Yeah. With that start, I think, in October. Uh, so that people can, you know, watch the videos and 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 get a lot of the visuals from the film along too. Mm-hmm. So we're just trying, you guys. We are, we take very seriously. The last thing she used to go into all the world, tell everybody about, yeah. tell them that I love them, yeah. make disciples, followers of me, learners, as, as the rabbi says, he, not so he can have a, a really good, a whole bunch of likes on Facebook, right? so that people, the world will change because they know Yeshua personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of our great desire with this book is to really give people hope. Mm-hmm. I think we live in a time when there's a lot of hopelessness. And hope is the belief that your future is going to be better than your past. And as you see how God brought a better future out of the lives of all these individuals that we know of in the scriptures, but they went through some tough stuff Yeah, and they're really not any different than you or I. Mm -hmm. And I think God wants us to understand that. And he wants us to have this new level of hope, this confident expectation of his promises and plans for our life. 
and for our future. And I think that hopelessness. Joy too, Blaine. You know what I'm saying? Right. He wants joy. I mean, nothing worse than a sourpuss Christian <sighs> who wants to tell you about Jesus. That where is he in your life? I don't see him. Right. When I think joy, you know, I think that hopelessness that we're seeing comes from the stagnation of our experience with him. And like, that is nobody's responsibility, but ours to dive deeper. And y'all are giving people the tools to do that. And so yeah, we hope so. That's the whole yeah, purpose. I don't need and, another project. I, I know Rabbi doesn't either. We don't need right. one more book. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. We talk in the book, how the word hope in Hebrew is tikva, and it means to stretch or to twist. Mm. And you know, you're, you're, you know, if you're going to be a person of hope, you're going to be stretched. You're going to go through some twists and turns in your life. And actually, the red cord that Rahab put in her window in the days of Joshua, the word for that red cord is tikva, the same word for hope, because hope is literally meant to be a rope mm. that protects us like it protected Rahab when everything else was falling. She had that hope in her window that protected her in the midst of life when everything was crumbling around her. And hope is a rope that pulls us into our future and into our destiny. And I just declare hope over everyone, of the, everyone who is listening here today. And I just want you to declare with me, my future is going to be better than my future. Mm. And let's not forget that Rahab was a prostitute. Right. She wasn't the daughter of a king. She wasn't a wealthy woman. She was, uh, she was a pretty good businesswoman, I'm sure. But uh, uh, she was a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And God used her mightily in the story of God's people through the, the, the nations. Yeah. She ultimately was part of uh, Jesus's uh, genealogy, right, Rabbi? Yeah, she's. Yeah. 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 So you just say to yourself, you know what, Lord? You love everybody. And it doesn't matter what we did in our past. It doesn't matter what we're hiding from people that we're doing now. You know, God sees it all. And, he's, and he loves us with an all-consuming fire of a love. And Rabbi is so right to say we declare yes. hope in our lives. Yes. Hope that, that, that when Yeshua comes and takes residency in our hearts, things will be better. Mm -hmm. My dear, dear friend here says things go better with Jesus. Mm. He tries to tell his friends, his Jewish friends, you don't have to give up being a Jew ever, ever, ever. But just try Jesus. Just try. <laughs> Things go better with Jesus. They do. I I don't know how people have gotten through the last two years without him. To be I quite can't honest, get to a minute of my his, life without him. His, what, Rabbi? His, his coming is the blessed hope. Yes. And uh, we have this hope. And uh, certainly in the world that we live in, it seems like he's coming sooner rather than later. <laughs> Even so, so come Lord Jesus, right, right. <laughs> Which makes this message all the more urgent, right? Like as things kind of descend, it's like, okay, okay, guys, like you gotta, we, come on, he is good. Come and see, because I want you to be with us, right? Like, you right. Get to come right. with us. So. Yeah, when he tarries, only the Bible says he only tarries, only waits so that more can find exactly. more that can enter into the kingdom. So while we're waiting, we're supposed to be busy. Yes. You know, give telling people yes. uh, that, he, that, that he, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he is yet to come again. So Amen. it's, it's a very hopeful message. It is, uh, but, but people got to get off, off their tuchuses <laughs> Absolutely. And, and start seeking. Well, thank you all so much for your time and for thank your you wisdom. For I am looking forward to the movie and the book. 
and just following along with your story. Thanks for having us. Rabbi, happy so to much. see you. I love you. Love you too. Okay. Bye, y'all. Thank Bye. you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.